right, everybody. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Butler's Babble. It's been a while. We took last month off, as you know, uh, Christmas holidays. We wanted to let everybody have a great holiday season, so we didn't do any in uh, December, but we are back um, again. This show is to try and help and motivate and inspire people to empower themselves to be a better better them, better for their husbands, their wives, their kids, be better for everybody and just be better for themselves. We want to be uh, around this place a long time, so we're going to try and help inspire you to do that. So um, just a couple little housekeeping. Remember, if you're watching this uh, through either um, YouTube or you're watching it on our Facebook channel, be sure to go to uh, StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook and allow them permission to use your name in the comments. That way, when you make any comments here, um, I can see exactly who's making the comment. I will be monitoring it. Also, I'll try to here on my phone a little bit here because then I can see who it is. But sometimes if you don't, I won't see who you are on here. So just a way if you want to make a comment or questions, and I'm sure our guests would definitely take your questions if you have any. Uh, just if you do that, it allows us to know who you are. Uh, another thing is uh, um, don't be afraid because... Um, some people, they just don't want to be quiet, but don't be afraid to ask questions if you have any. There's no bad questions. Today's guest uh, I want to bring you, of course, um, is, is a phenomenal woman. I know I say that all the time, but we do get some amazing guests on here. And if you haven't seen any of the past episodes, don't be afraid to go and check some of them out. Um, amazing guests. Uh, this one's no exception. This is Jennifer, and she's an author. She's a yoga instructor, and she's a former holistic health practitioner. So she's going to come on and tell you a little bit about herself and uh, get to know her. So let's bring Jennifer on instead of listening to me babble on, as they say. So uh, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, John. Thank you. So uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a background of uh, who you are, where you come from, what you were like as a kid, but also tell us where you are right now, because I'm here in northern Ontario where it's really, really cold right now and it's very white outside. So give us a little background about yourself. Sure. So before we dive into kind of the the rich, you know, trauma related things that we're, we'll talk about. Uh, first off, I am uh, just outside of Seattle, Washington, and I am actually a true Seattleite born and raised in the city of Seattle and uh, lived there for the first 14 years of my life and then moved down to the San Francisco Bay Area for three years and then moved back to Washington for my senior year of high school uh, up on Woodby Island. And mm. uh, so I've moved around a little bit, but the Pacific Northwest is always home. <laughs> and what were you like as a child? Were you very quiet and recluse or were you more of a rambunctious, always out there trying to do stuff? <laughs> I was probably more the quiet, shy type, especially as a young kid. I, I remember hiding behind parents' legs uh, as a young kid when being introduced to new people, you know, new adults. Um, <laughs> I, I have always been studious and I love to read. I, as a kid, loved to read and learn, and I'm a perpetual student and proud to be so. Um, yeah, loved school, um, did well in school. Um, was I a nerd? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not, not a Hermione Granger per se, but um, yeah, I, I loved learning and did do well in, in school and, um, enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I worked really, really hard in high school in particular. Um, when I was down in the Bay Area, had a great, great high school. Um, mm -hmm. And I was able to do, um, at least here in the United States, we have advanced placement classes that you can take and then use them for college credit. So I honestly worked harder my junior year of high school than I did my freshman year of college. Um, did you have a favorite subject? <laughs> Hmm. Good question. Did it have anything to do with what you went into as a profession or was it more um, like anything else really? Were you into like, the yes, arts more? Yes and no. So uh, I graduated from Washington State University in Eastern Washington, uh, East Washington State, for those of you who uh, are confusing Washington with Washington, D.C. Um, <laughs> My degree was in animal science because I have always loved animals mm -hmm. and particularly horses. I've been a horse person for as long as I can remember, one of those horse crazy girls growing up. And I thought that I was going to be an equine veterinarian. Okay. And the university I went to 
They're an agricultural school, have a fantastic veterinary program. So I thought that I was just going to get my degree and go right into uh, veterinary school. But, you know, even though I started working for veterinarians when I was 16, by the time I got to probably about my last full year in college, I realized that even though I loved what I studied and I was mm -hmm. pretty good at all those subjects, um, you know, anatomy, physiology, immunology, and not all of those were necessarily uh, animal specific, although we as humans are animals, but some, some were um, human, but the way a nerve fires in a cow is the same as it is in a human. So it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Um, but I just didn't see myself doing that day in, day out. And of course, other things happen, like meeting my now husband in my just before my last semester of, of university. So that changed things as well. Always happens. Uh, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, throws off your trajectory and your plans, but in a good way. Exactly. Well, I see um, that with a lot of students actually right now where they go and they have an idea of what they want to be and then they go into school for that and either they decide like you did, like this is not something I want to do day in and day out or they get a degree and then they come out and they can't find a job in that and they end up doing something else anyway. Right. So it happens all the time. So Absolutely. So out of, out of graduating, I actually did work for uh, a veterinary clinic for, oh, probably a good six months and... Um, it was, a, it was a good experience, but it was a good experience in me learning that I wasn't going to go anywhere mm -hmm. unless I went back to school. And having just gotten out of school, I was like, you know, I'm not ready to go back, <laughs> yeah. uh, at least for another f like four years yeah. back in eastern Washington. So, this is like your early um, 20s, I guess? or Yes, yes. And I heard about equine massage, so horse massage. Mm. And was like, oh, that's interesting because that kind of combines my education as well as my interests. And so I started looking into that and, and talked to some practitioners locally. And at the time here in Washington state, you had to go to human massage school to get licensed as well as go to the animal massage school to get certified and also licensed to work with animals. So I did both concurrently at the same time. And uh, in 2006, uh, I was licensed to do both and then got married and started working as a massage therapist for a local clinic uh, for people, of course, um, just like two weeks after getting married. So 2006 was a big year. Mm -hmm. um, and I ended up starting my own practice at the age of 24. Wow. in 2008. Um, and it just kind of progressed from there. I still did body work with horses. Although as the years progressed, and I changed modalities in my practice going from clinical massage therapy to uh, a modality called structural integration, my focus changed in and I really focused on the human aspect of my practice. But um, it was incredibly rewarding. I, I loved it. I was good at what I did. And I don't say that in an egotistical way, but, um, you know, I was a good practitioner and, uh, all the while dealing with the things that we're going to get into. No, definitely. No, definitely. And I'm trying to find as you're talking there and you can go on a little bit more, but I'm going to try and find some of the pictures you sent me that we can share. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, one of the pictures that maybe you'll be able to pull up. Um, so as I said, I was a horse crazy girl growing up and, Yes, I did start riding uh, probably about the age of nine or so, eight, nine. But I got into a sport called vaulting at okay. the age of 11, uh, which is gymnastics on horseback. Oh, okay. And I did that for a good six plus years. Mm -hmm. And when I lived in California, I was on one of the best teams in the world at the time and uh, was very, very privileged to be on that team and we traveled to europe numerous times a year to compete and to also exhibition sometimes so it was it was a blast and um you know people go oh, is, is it like you know jumping over the horse or is it like jumping over the fences <laughs> which is called jumping um the vaulting if if whenever you're able to pull up that picture yeah. keep um, yeah i'll find it here it's yeah it's essentially i mean people are familiar with gymnastics so if you think of like a beam routine or a floor routine, 
but on the back of a cantering horse. Okay. And there are also team events where you have up to three people at a time on the horse and it's choreographed and with music and things like that. So it's a very organized sport mm -hmm. and uh, a very challenging one when not only are you having to figure out how to move your own body in certain ways, but then also to be in sync with another living sentient being. So you have to be mindful of how you're moving uh, and, and be kind to the horse that we're on as well. No, definitely. I'm going to share you the email because I was having trouble finding the where you gave it to me, but I do have the email with the pictures in it. So we'll show that. Okay. Um, there we go. So I don't know if that's what you're talking about right there, that picture there. Yes. Yep. So that's my last year. That was uh, our national competition. Okay. And that was not a transition. I was I was actually holding that handstand for a couple of strides. So pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, just, they mm -hmm. do it and they take a picture and then you fall off or something. <laughs> right. No. Sometimes that happens. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and then uh, this people is you actually working? Kind of, yes. Yes. So I was a licensed body worker for 14 years, 12 of those running my own practice, and about nine of those doing structural integration. And uh, so these were in the last year of my practice. Obviously, my hair has grown a bit since then, but um, structural work is is different from traditional massage. And for anyone who's interested in finding out more about structural integration and how it realigns people's bodies for lasting change from things like chronic back pain, neck pain, uh, et cetera, um, you can check out it's theeazi.net. I think it's T-H-E-I-A-S-I.net, I believe. Um, or just Google structural integration. Yeah. Or we can uh, always, you can send it to me later. We could put it in the comment section for people also, sure. if you want. Yeah. And, uh, also a certified yoga instructor, which I became in 2016 and really enjoyed teaching some private and small groups as well as I've worked for a couple studios. Um, so movement bodies and all of that have definitely been my thing, uh, professionally for, for quite some time. Awesome. No, it's amazing to see the, the differences that you went through. I mean, you go from this to horses and things like that. So you're in your 20s, you're doing your business, you're, you're starting to find your groove of what you want to do. And then, of course, that's when uh, you're married by now. I don't know if you had kids by this time, but now all of a sudden, things start to change in your life. Yes, they do. And we just have <laughs> furry four-legged children. Yeah. Um, Currently, we have a cat and a rabbit, and we had a, a corgi for 16 years. And oh, okay. um, she, yeah, she left us uh, just about six months ago. So, um, yes, our, our furry four-legged kids have entertained us and kept us covered in hair and love, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, plenty of hair to go around. But, mm -hmm. yes, in 2013, and when I was 30, things changed. Uh, and there happens to be a whole book about, about it, a brief, a brief book. So it's short, um, I have it hope. right here. Excellent. Thank you so yeah, much. And I've actually been reading, I'm not finished it yet. You can see my bookmark in there. I'm about halfway and I'm still reading it. So amazing book. I love the way you tell the story in here. It's very easy to read. So why don't you go a little bit about what happened? Yeah. So I'll give you the Cliff's notes version. Uh, so. I was in a writing lesson, a dressage lesson, so English writing, with my friend and trainer who I've been I had been writing with for years at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was writing with her one day, but I was riding a horse that I had not ridden before. Okay. I knew the horse, I knew I knew who she was, but I had not ridden her before. And we were having a pretty good lesson and having a few arguments uh, as I was asking her to do some very difficult things. And we were probably a good three quarters of the way through the lesson when she suddenly spooked. Mm. And no matter how good of a writer you are, or you think you are, uh, physics sometimes is not on your side. So she completely hopped right. I came off left. I of course was wearing my helmet, mm -hmm. but still landed really, really hard on my back. And I did not lose consciousness. But uh, the details are, are in the book of kind of what happened um, mm -hmm. there. But 
once we figured out that I didn't have any broken bones, I did what any crazy horse person does and got back on mm -hmm. uh, just to end our ride on a good note. And, uh, but I knew driving home, it was about an hour drive home mm -hmm. and on, and on the freeway. And I was getting increasingly tired and like ridiculously tired. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Oh my God, I have a concussion. And the first thing that this comes is where, to mind, like, of things, course. Yeah. And this is where things start to come together with like even my professional education is back in massage school way back when I wrote a paper about the most common horseback related riding injuries and then treatment thereof. Mm -hmm. And the number one is concussion. Okay. And so that's the only way that I had any kind of clue because I don't think it would have even registered otherwise. So <laughs> Thank you for massage school for making me write a paper. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, even before I left the barn, I'd actually contacted one of my colleagues uh, who, who um, has passed now, but she did uh, craniosacral therapy, which okay. is also, uh, I go into detail in different modalities in the book. And that's one of them and said, I hit my head. I need to see you. And she said, well, I can see you tonight. And I said, oh, I just, I just really want to go home and ice a little bit. And um, it was just an absolutely horrible night. I'm hoping, knocking on wood here, that it was the worst night ever of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in so much pain. And did I even think to go to the emergency room? Well, yeah, it crossed my mind. But I didn't want to worry about the cost of it. Because okay. even with good health insurance here in the United States, uh, a trip to the ER is... is um, still quite an exorbitant cost for most yes. people so and i was like oh i'll be fine right like uh, you know it's yeah probably no big deal and so after getting some treatment from my colleague the next morning she convinced me to go to the er and get a ct scan okay. to make sure i didn't have any internal bleeding and i was like okay nancy for you i'll go Still not even really thinking about like, oh, this is something that, yeah, it's probably a good idea, like for my own benefit. <laughs> um, but for you, I'll do it. And so I went and thankfully no internal bleeding. But I very, very distinctly remember the ER doctor coming in after examining me and then, you know, stepping out for a minute, coming back in and he kind of comes back in dramatically and goes, congratulations, you're concussed. Yeah, I remember hearing you reading that in the book. Yeah. And, you know, those, those words, uh, were an interesting choice to use, honestly. Um, yes. and they gave me some over the counter pain medication, um, and a two page handout with just some general guidelines and said, basically take it easy. And they said, you'll be fine in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing well, I find with people with concussion. Years. Yeah. They get, sports, everything. They're just, told, oh, it's just a concussion. You'll be fine. Just take these and you'll mm -hmm. be fine. But I'm here to tell you that nine years later, having now become legally disabled and have a huge laundry list of related diagnoses, um, I was not fine in two weeks, mm -hmm. but I had no reason to think otherwise. And so it was a couple months later when insomnia got really, really bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was sleeping maybe three, four hours a night. And for anyone who's either had new, you know, new babies or any other reason that your sleep is disrupted, I mean, it, we understand why sleep deprivation is literally used as torture. Mm -hmm. Because it is. <laughs> <laughs> it it li literally is torture. And, um, you know, I had like light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, and, and those are things that I still experience today, among others. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what to do or who to see. And even though I knew people who knew people and being quite well educated and, and things, I still didn't really have any guidance. Mm -hmm. And thanks to, uh, it was one of my chiropractors who sent me in the direction of a neuropsych neuro a functional neurologist there we go um and i started working with him for a while on a daily basis uh mm -hmm. for a good many months and that that was very helpful and um 
but you know, like starting to realize that I had PTSD from this, but the thing I didn't mention, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this was that on the way home from getting that CT scan at the ER, we were um, just about maybe four kilometers from home mm -hmm. and going through a, an intersection where we had the green light, we had the right of way and a woman in oncoming traffic turned left directly in front of us in the mm -hmm. intersection. Once again, physics not on our side. No. And so my husband, who he was driving because I, of course, was in no condition to drive. It was 25 hours after the fall from mm -hmm. the horse. Okay. And so we unfortunately collided with her, uh, not terribly, but go figure. It was the passenger side, my side mm. of my one year old car. The only car I've ever brought, bought brand new yeah. uh, that was damaged. And I couldn't even open the door. And um, of course, you know, more pain. I was on pain medication, you know, it's like prescription strength Motrin. So like ibuprofen, but still, um, and I was so exhausted. I was so angry. I was again, more concerned about my car <laughs> than I was about myself. Um, and to add to the story, I literally closed accident related treatment to a very severe car accident in which I was also passenger. I closed that um, six weeks before and that car accident before was almost exactly a year prior. Wow. So I, I called my uh, personal injury attorney on that Monday, two days later, and I said, I have another one for you. And I, I went off about my car and, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like my practically brand new car and it's damaged and it's going to have an accident on its record. And, and she's like, stop, like, how are you? And I was right. like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Cars can be replaced. Exactly. Uh, but that just goes to show you and everybody kind of what my mentality was and how it was not driven home, mm -hmm. how serious a concussion is. Yeah. And especially when you have two impacts in 25 hours, how much that second car accident on the way home you know, affected things. I, we can't say for sure, but it certainly no, didn't true. help. Definitely. Um, but you know, I kept working. It was mm -hmm. the week before our Thanksgiving. And, uh, so I didn't have as many clients, but I did take it a little easy, but I mean, I, I didn't take any time off of work, mm -hmm. self-employed, got to keep my practice going. And I just kept going. And it was eventually when you know I really started noticing that things were not right. I was not right. Mm -hmm. uh, emotional dysregulation is really, really normal and common with a brain injury. And I'd go from kind of feeling normal, happy to like explosive angry for not a very good reason. And it was just like all over the place. And my poor just husband. Just mood swings. Uh, totally. Uh, and just not being able to control it, which is the weirdest thing because we're used to being able to control and regulate our emotions. But with brain damage, <clears throat> those areas, depending on, of course, uh, which areas are, are more damaged than others, get compromised. And yep. so you don't have the ability to control it at least very well. Uh, and it took a long time and a lot of work with different practitioners to kind of rein that in a bit. Um, yep. But it's, you know, it's it's still there but definitely not to the same caliber no and i remember um, reading in the so, book too how you were saying how you you got to the point where you were not afraid to start firing some of these doctors because some of them were just not giving you the information you needed to know yeah and i've had some great practitioners and i have really appreciated the ones who have helped me mm -hmm. um And yet, because, I mean, our, our medical system is broken, and that's a very, it's common knowledge, but because there was no real guidance, you know, I had to piece all of this together myself, mm -hmm. um, both allopathic, aka Western medicine, as well as holistic practices, and just try to navigate all of this on my own, which when you're dealing with all these things, insomnia and, you know, like brain fog and emotional 
like all the stuff that you're dealing with and then trying to navigate who to go to mm-hmm. and then trying to explain it all to everybody and on repeat it's it's challenging yeah. um and then things kept coming yeah. um that was like just the start of the journey uh and it's been quite the roller coaster things that show up uh commonly are things like depression mm-hmm. uh when you change when you damage your brain you change your neurochemistry and so it just it's kind of a very common thing uh and that's been published on since uh the 70s so it's mm-hmm. definitely uh, a well-known fact so about a year later that was something i was dealing with and um you know that just made life life hard Yes. And I went from this very active person, like super active, like I was this go-getter, um, either up at, at always up early at like 5, 5.30 and at the gym or at the hot yoga studio by 6, you know, and then go to work and then do stuff and, you know, just kind of the go, go, go type A personality. And to not be able to do that as the fatigue kept getting worse over mm-hmm. time and kind of flash forward because it would we'd be here forever going through all the details of the things that have happened since um take your time but but ending up with chronic fatigue syndrome which Mm -hmm. is very real it's not Mm -hmm. a psychosomatic thing even though sadly there are some physicians who still think that it's not a real condition Mm -hmm. um and it can take a long time to get adequate and proper diagnosis of different things that show up. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole time since my injury, I dealt with getting lightheaded frequently and didn't really know why. And like, I'd be at the gym and I'd be doing something that wasn't even like lower body, you know, kind of big muscle group things and get lightheaded. And you just see me just sit down in the gym. I was like, why, you know, why is this happening? And some of these other symptoms. And then I, I, figured it out for myself. Honestly, it wasn't any of my providers who even brought it up uh, of having dysautonomia, which is uh, dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system. So that's the nervous system that regulates all the things that we generally don't think about. So things like Mm -hmm. blood pressure, heart rate, uh, gut motility, and a bunch of other things. But dealing with that for uh, the whole time. And it took seven years to get that diagnosis. Mm. And four weeks ago, literally got another diagnosis, not, not related to the brain injury part, but all of the whiplash injuries that I've had between coming off of horses. And then these two car accidents, um, created some structural problems in my neck, which, um, finally after nine to 12 years, got diagnosed four weeks ago and mm. treated. So it's, It's been a, and that also was not brought up by any of my practitioners or my providers. It was actually some of my peers um, who brought it up. So it's, it's been quite the learning process, especially learning how to advocate for myself um, with providers. And even though I've had some great ones, Mm -hmm. still, uh, I've had to be the one to really be in charge, (laughs) which is sad. No, exactly. Because you know, we go to you rely on them. Exactly, get, you rely on them. Yeah, yeah, to get guidance and counsel. And I feel like I've been sadly having to tell my providers the things that they should be telling me. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, yeah. it is what it is. No, exactly. Uh, and but, you touched on it a little bit earlier too. But during this whole time in that seven-year span or whatever, you were also. Uh, you touched on a little bit. It's a little bit of uh, the sleep apnea that you were doing where you were just having trouble. You weren't sleeping at night. You were going sometimes, what, maybe an hour or two sleep at night or not even sleeping at all. Yeah, so insomnia, so not actually sleep apnea. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, that was really the worst in the first six months post-brain uh, injury. Okay. Post that, uh, those two incidents in 2013. And... Um, it took a while to kind of get that dialed in, but it was actually not until 2017. So it was like three and a half years later that I worked with a sleep specialist. And okay. uh, the only thing we really did was change my sleep schedule, mm-hmm. which you would think like wouldn't be a big deal. But um, I actually, 
I held a symposium for some of my colleagues uh, and health professionals on sleep. So I got to hear some sleep specialists talk. And so I, I understand that it's all about the ratio of how long you're in bed versus how long you're actually asleep. Mm -hmm. And that was not a one-to-one -one ratio for me. So I learned some strategies, which did help. Um, but yeah, it took, it took till 2017 to get some more info there. And that started to help. Uh, and then it was like a week later, still getting more information, um, got diagnosed with pituitary damage. So mm. the pituitary gland is, is right behind kind of the, between your eyebrows. And mm -hmm. it's about the size of a pea okay. and it controls all the majority of your hormones. I won't say all hormones, but the majority of them, if the pituitary gland itself doesn't produce a particular hormone, it produces usually the predecessor for hormones. Uh, mm -hmm. so things like thyroid, um, uh, what you need to produce cortisol and of course a different hormones, testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, which both male and female uh, bodies have. So, uh, yeah, like for anyone who has, who knows females in your life, uh, hormones affect so many things for us in particular with so many fluctuations. And so that's been, <clears throat> yeah, a constant thing where I have to get my blood work done every, every, uh, quarter because okay. it, my body just has a hard time regulating that. So, uh, you know, just like yeah. all these things that just have like kept coming, but, uh, I, I want to share about these things because most time, most of the time when people think about concussion and brain injury, they're thinking about the the football players. So we're talking about either soccer mm -hmm. players, as we call it in the States yep. or American football, um, you know, people like that, but there are 3 million new TBIs every year in yep. North America. And those are the ones that are actually diagnosed. Yes. And those are, Per the the research that I, I used for my book, the the studies that's diagnosed through either ER visits, hospitalization, or death. Yeah. Only those three things. So I can only imagine how many, probably several more million, yeah. are undiagnosed, undiagnosed or misdiagnosed every year. And you got to remember, I'm in yeah. Canada here, where our big sport is hockey, and so much yes. concussions <laughs> with hockey, and especially I don't know if you've ever seen, but they've done specials on. Back, of course, in the 70s, the 80s, and things like that, before the hockey it is now, or it's a more faster game. Back then, you had guys on your team that were just there as what they called enforcers. So they protected the rest of the players. They were always the ones that were doing the hard checks, getting into the fights and all that. And these were the guys mm. that their career was cut short because they were always getting injured, and it was always head injuries, and they found out it was concussions. And then later on in life, a lot of these hockey players that were very famous ended up committing suicide, things like that. And people were wondering, well, you have all this money you had all this life you should be and they didn't realize the brain injury that they had from all those years playing the type of sport that they did so concussion is a very very serious thing that people like you said they think of it in like little minor sports and they're like oh you just got a concussion go home just don't go to sleep right away watch them when they go to bed wake them up every couple hours and they'll be fine they don't realize the actual severity that it can cause in the long term right and they're classified as mild moderate or severe and I want to make it really clear that a my so those designations refer only to the amount of physiological damage to the brain itself mm -hmm. in no way does it reflect the impact that it has to the person's life so my concussion is a mild one but it still has severe ramifications yes so people will say like oh well, i just had like a minor a minor concussion yeah. there's no such thing in, in my mm -hmm opinion in my book. Um, and the thing that I have thought about, like if I could go back and do something differently, what would that be? And I've talked with people in, in the TBI support group that I attend. Uh, we've asked that question of each other. And the I think one of the most common ones, and myself included, is I would take it seriously at the beginning, mm -hmm. much more seriously. Definitely. But I mean, I was told I'd be fine in two weeks. So I really had no reason to take it as seriously as I should have. And they're the specialists, so, so you're taking their of... word for it. Oh, yeah. You know, they're the ER docs. They're the ones who are, should know about this stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for for change in the medical field, as well as um, 
among society and common knowledge um, of the impacts that this has. And, um, you know, I mentioned that, that my chronic fatigue syndrome kind of gradually progressed and got worse, no matter what I did, no matter who I saw. Again, very educated, very proactive. Um, but you know what? Sometimes you can still do all that and stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up in January, end of January, January 30th, 2020, closing my practice. And as I talked with you um, earlier about, in a way, I feel like I dodged a bullet with that going into 2020. But still, it was it was very hard to, mm -hmm. to say goodbye to my practice and my clients and my livelihood. Thankfully, my husband is very supportive. Um, but then I later filed for disability, and that took almost two full years. And it mm -hmm. was a very, very challenging battle, yeah. um, as it is for everybody. Um, and it's not a fun process by any means, but no. uh, thankfully that did come through. So, you know, life has really changed, but despite this, the way that it sounds of like, oh, here she was, a, you know, entrepreneur and go-getter, and now she's disabled. You know, it's not all bad. It, it really isn't. Um, and even though I would never wish for anybody to go through this, nor would I want to go through it again, I have gained so much from this experience that I wouldn't change that part for anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not only being able to do things like advocate for myself, but I have so much more empathy. Mm -hmm. Like it has taught me so much more about what empathy actually is and relating to people and their experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to things like trauma and, you know, trauma is subjective. What, what someone thinks is traumatic may not seem traumatic to someone else. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks no. it, that's the person's reality. Yes. And, uh, so, you know, learning a lot about that and how mm -hmm. to be truly supportive for somebody, which has nothing to do with me, me wanting to feel better about trying to fix you, mm -hmm. but rather being present with other people's pain and suffering yep. and just being there, just yes. being present with someone. So now, uh, now that and, you've had to close your practice, have you now looked at now you got disabilities so you got some time that you can think of what you want to do now because you're still a young woman you're in your, what, your early 40s i shouldn't be aging people like that but uh, not, not um, even i'm not even 40 yet there soon, you go so you're very soon, young woman yeah. very young woman so you still got lots of life left knock on wood of course um no more head injuries of course and um so I've, has this now led you into maybe some other another path of what you want to do with your life um more on that kind of a scale because of course you were with horses and you were looking at being a veterinarian then you went into the the whole training part that you were doing with uh like we showed the pictures earlier of all the, what you were doing with your mm -hmm. career before now that you're not doing yeah. that is it sort of leading you now career-wise or to something different or well you know that's to be determined um depends on if anything changes uh which i'm not attached to you know, if things change for the better, great. If they stay the same, I'm okay, mm -hmm. right? And um, that's okay. But I still want to make a difference in the world. I still want to have purpose. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled a lot with that in the last couple of years, especially since I closed my practice and then not knowing with disability. Um, I was teaching yoga uh, just once a week on Zoom for a studio. Um, but I've put that on hiatus for right now and really just been focusing on taking care of myself. And most people understand that taking care of yourself is a full-time job. Definitely. Um, but I love talking about these things, bringing awareness to traumatic brain injury, which I, I wanted to make clear that a concussion is a traumatic brain injury, um, that they're synonymous. Um, sometimes people think that a traumatic brain injury is, is something different than a concussion that's not the case. So uh, if you're, if anyone's confused on the terminology, it's, it's like saying trash or garbage, mm -hmm. same thing. Okay. Um, and I know that at some point there will be a second edition of the book because so much has happened since the, the first one came out. So that will happen eventually when, when I feel <laughs> up to it. Uh, and, and well, talking about your book, I think I, I brought your website up there. Thank you. 
So yeah. So for those of you this. who are interested, yeah, who are interested in learning more, um, more in depth about my story, learning more about what you can do with uh, concussion recovery, how to move forward in some way, uh, whether it's you who's experienced one, doesn't matter how long ago it was, or someone that you know, um, because a lot of times people with brain injuries have a hard time reading. So I fully understand and recognize that. So um, sometimes it's really nice to have someone uh, who is close to the person with a brain injury to read something like this. And it's only about a hundred pages uh, so that you can have some good discussions, but also be able to provide some resources when they are wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, so headofhope.com is, is the website. And for those of you who are in Canada, uh, it's best to purchase the book on Amazon and tip search for the entire title. Yeah. And uh, I have yeah, that here between, for you too. Yeah. Shipping between uh, Canada and the US, unfortunately, is outrageously expensive for whatever reason. So it's on Amazon for those of you who like Kindle or who want a paperback copy. It's there. And, I have mine uh, right here, and I went through Amazon, of course, because like you said, um, it was easier to do it that way. But I'm probably going to end up mailing this to you one day so you can personally sign it for me, of course. Yay! <laughs> and I'll pay for return shipping, of course. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I think it's a great read. I've, like I said, I'm halfway through it. I just had a week where I just couldn't sit and just read a book. So I've been reading it here and there, and I'm, I'm loving it. So I know I'll have it read within the next week. It'll be all finished. Um, and then on top of that, um, if people do want to learn a bit more, we could have went a lot more. Of course, we can stay on here for a couple hours and go more in depth, but I want people to actually purchase the book too because I want them, they can get more information through this 100 pages than us sitting here for three, four hours and talking to them. So yeah. um, that's why yeah. we're trying to synopsis a little bit to let people know that, uh, I mean, what you went through is, of course, very serious. It's nothing that we wish on anybody, but it, and it has mm -hmm. changed your life. But it, like you said, it's not all bad. I mean, yes, it's terrible what happened and everything and what you've had to go through. But look at the, what you've accomplished after that. The, like you said, with the um, having empathy for people and just... I'm sure a lot of people are going to learn from your story because I have a lot of us, I'm sure, go through a lot of this stuff. I know people that are always having some of the symptoms. Why don't you, before we go um, anywhere, why don't you even give a little bit of what symptoms are for people for TBI if they're interested in finding out, well, maybe I should go get checked out because I don't think a lot of people yeah, realize that. Yeah, and uh, because, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> Memory is one of those things. So I'm going to grab my copy because I have it all listed <laughs> here and it's so much easier um, to do that. <clears throat> yeah, because memory <laughs> is definitely a challenge, um, particularly short-term memory. Mm -hmm. It's like one of those things I can remember phone numbers from childhood, but I can't remember why I walked into a room, like what yeah. I was supposed to be doing. Maybe uh, I have a traumatic so, brain injury because I have that problem all the time. <laughs> That's just well, age for me. You know, yeah. Uh, so some of the things that are really common, um, so cognitively memory problems, uh, problems with executive functioning. So that emotional dysregulation, things that control behavior, difficulty learning new things, trouble concentrating or focusing. Yeah, squirrel, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very much. <laughs> um, difficulty problem solving. Uh, you can also have brain fog. Like I, my brain fog in the mornings is, is horrible. Um, physically, headaches are common, blurred vision or other vision changes, dizziness or lightheadedness, mm -hmm. either one. Fatigue, which can be mild to severe, um, particularly neurofatigue is really common. So anything okay. that's like really going to make you use your brain, social engagements, like, you know, holidays, oh my gosh, they're so draining. They're great, but getting together with people um, can be very draining reading things, um, stuff like that. So neurofatigue, as well as fatigue, uh, physically, both. Sensitivity to light and sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, even over nine years later, I always carry earplugs with me, sunglasses, you know, um, and sleep disturbances. Sadly, every TBI person I know has sleep issues. Okay. Why exactly? I haven't dug into the very specifics, but that's a very common thing. Mm -hmm. um, emotional things, depression, anxiety, 
uh, easily irritable or angry personality changes, uh, more emotional than normal. Mm -hmm. So just a, kind of a heightened um, emotional response, um, the inability to control those emotions. And sometimes people are a bit more impulsive. Okay. So those are some of the things mm -hmm. that are, are common. Um, and we're not yeah, saying that just, just because they like, have those that they're going to have TBI, but at least it's something to look for. Right. And what would have been helpful is if, if the ER people had said, statistically, you're likely going to be fine in two weeks because 80% of people go back to quote normal mm -hmm. in about that two week or two, maybe a couple month time frame. But as I said, like as a child, you know, I was this like overachiever uh, person in school. Well, I mm -hmm. was, I guess I'm always striving to be in that top 20, 25% because yep. yeah, I ended up in that top 20% who does not go back to quote normal. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they had said likely you'll be fine in a couple weeks to a couple months, but if they'd given me a list of these things to kind of be on the lookout for mm -hmm. and said, but if you notice that you start to have these things or if they don't go away, then, you know, come back and see us. Obviously, if they'd said, go see someone mm -hmm. um, would have been helpful. And so figuring all that out and researching myself and, and realizing that as an educated health care provider who knew people who knew people mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to do or who to see or what could help, I knew that I could not keep that to myself and that I had to let other people know by writing this brief book because there it's, it's hard to find a cohesive like one place where you can learn about what the experience is uh, that you're not alone that's mm -hmm. a huge huge piece is knowing that you're not alone because it's a very lonely process uh, no, especially when you're doing dealing with things like the depression anxiety ptsd but also just the grief of not being who you were anymore Mm -hmm. And you didn't get a choice in that. It was no. a split second thing that changed your life forever. And you got yeah. no say in it. No, it wasn't exactly. anything that you necessarily did mm -hmm. or didn't do. It just, you know, things happen. Yeah. Um, and things sometimes pop up from earlier on in your life that you don't know. I have, I didn't find this out until around 2005, 2006, uh, when I was living in Edmonton, Canada there, I had a doctor there and I kept telling him my right arm always feels like a pinched nerve and it's always getting like numb kind of thing. And, uh, I knew it was a heart attack. I wasn't having any heart issues now, but I said, I, I don't, it's always when I'm, that's the bag, the shoulder I carry my hockey bag or I carry my gym bag. Things mm. like. So I wondered if I pinched a nerve or something. So they did x-rays and it wasn't until then he found out that actually up in my neck, I think it's like the C6 and C7 vertebrae. I actually have a disintegrating and narrowing disc in my spine there that I mm. never knew about. And he said, you could have injured yourself when you were younger as a kid, you could have fell or twisted or playing hockey and got hit there and never would have known it. And then, and then that's when he was telling me, you're probably getting lower back pain. I said, yeah, I get lower back pain all the time, but this is probably like 20 years after I ever probably injured it. And I didn't know. Yeah. So you never know sometimes. Yeah. And that's the one thing I love about your book. Cause like you said, all the stuff you're talking about, people shake off a lot and you didn't have back then that one resource that you can go to and say, like, what am I doing? And you've basically done the research of course, over the last 10 years or whatever, or since that, well, seven, eight, nine, nine years now, I guess. And you put it in this book in this hundred pages. So it's a lot to take in, but it's very, very well written. Um, and, um, I think they can get a lot in there. And I think on top of that too, while we're on it, uh, I'm going to go back to your website here because I think if people want to find out a little bit more, um, oop, I hit the wrong button there. One second there. Um, <laughs> they can go into your blog area, which I think is a yes. very big resource guide for people that um, I'm just going to get your uh, blog up here because you have a lot of little um, different like podcasts or just little, video type things that they can read or blogs themselves. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of things uh, that are talked about on the blog, more of the things that have surfaced over the last couple of years. Um, you can see there, congratulations, congratulations, you're disabled, um, you know, getting proof for disability and uh, lots of other things. So a lot of them are TBI specific, but not necessarily, especially as I have come up with more diagnoses added to that. Uh, 
broaden that a bit, but even just talking about, you know, coming to terms with living with a chronic illness, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, there's, there's a, a lot in common that mm-hmm. people even without a, a TBI can relate to. And, um, yep, there's, there's a lot, uh, <laughs> a lot of things on grief. Oh, there's been a lot of grief to process over the years. Yeah, but even uh, you have some like powerful stuff here, like traumatic brain injury, yoga, and love your brain. So you're starting to show them a little bit that yeah, you have a brain injury, but here's what you can do. You don't have to just curl up and sit in a corner. You you still got to live. Exactly, and there's a program called Love Your Brain, and they are in in Canada now, thankfully. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a yoga program specifically designed for those affected by traumatic brain injury. So both the people who do have a TBI, but also their caregivers and family, and it is free to participants. And uh, so as a yoga instructor and a TBI person, uh, when I learned about that program, it was it was uh, a no brainer to go through their certification program to teach that. So, um, yeah, there's there's all these resources out there. And so my goal is to share those with the world so that you can have a place where you can learn about it or, you know, come for additional resources. And I recommend anybody go to your website. Yeah. I recommend people go to your website because there's a lot of resource on there that they can get from. They also, I do recommend people get your book. And like you said, if you're in the States, I would go to it's hope ahead of hope.com. Don't I'll I'll put it in the comment section there, but ahead of hope.com go check it out, purchase the book. It's not expensive. Um, but there's so much knowledge. I mean, you could have charged a lot more than what you're charging on there. That's how much information I feel is in there. And if you're in Canada, you can get it off of Google. I, or sorry, Amazon. That's what Amazon. I did. I just mm-hmm. went on amazon.ca. I found my copy and I had it shipped to me and I had it within like less than a week. I think it was, it wasn't long at all. You pay for it and boom, it's at your, your door. I recommend people go check it out. Um, if they want to contact you, um, if they have any questions for you or if they want to just pick your brain as no pun intended there, but, um, <laughs> yeah, <good one. laughs> if they have anything, uh, how can they contact you? I guess through your website and sure. Yeah. There's the contact form on the site there, um, or through socials, um, Instagram, I'm at head of head of hope TBI. Um, but there's links to socials up on the website there too, in the right hand corner. Definitely. Uh, so website is preferred cause that'll go to email. Um, but you can find me on Facebook. Uh, also, you know, head of hope TBI and, uh, yep, there's, there's questions, feedback. And if you want to have the blog sent to your inbox, you can sign up for the newsletter down on your bottom, right. Um, at this point, like there's nothing else that's going to go out. So you're not going to get spammed. You're not going to get stuff every day or every week. It's, it's going to be when I feel like writing a blog post, um, which happens anywhere from like once a month to, you know, a couple, like once a quarter, um, sometimes I have nothing to say for a little bit and that's fine. And then other times I have all these ideas of, of things to share. So, um, yep, definitely ways to connect with me after we end tonight. No, definitely. And I'm going to finish this book this week. I know I will, or at least next week sometime. And, uh, do you have any final things that you would like to get out there? We have, uh, actually a past guest of ours, Michelle Quay, who was on our, our show, probably around, I think it was like September, October in that area. I think it was around October and a very inspiring lady. And she is watching tonight and she said, very inspiring story. You have endured a lot of the unspeakable pain and challenges and kudos to Jennifer. So oh, a lot of people you, are watching. From someone, who, from someone who gets that too. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the greatest takeaways from this journey so far, um, I, the greatest one is, that I would encourage people to do, whether they're dealing with a TBI or any other challenging thing in their life, whether it's health related or something else, is to do your best to just keep moving forward in some way mm-hmm. and to not give up. Because believe me, there are times where I've wanted to give up. Absolutely. I've, I've wanted to just be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to move forward in some way, even on those days where I'm on the couch all day, mm-hmm. it's like for me to move forward, it's like, oh, Maybe today I'm going to get dressed and get out of my sweats and like go for a walk around the neighborhood or, you know, pet my cat or something, but it's adaptable, right? We have to be Mm -hmm. able to be flexible and adaptable and define what that looks for us in any given moment. But 
get support, get the support that you need, ask for help and move forward in some way because there are gonna be some amazing lessons that you're gonna learn. It's gonna be painful, it's gonna suck, but there's always a gift in it. Maybe not in any time frame that you're expecting, could be days, could be decades before you figure out what that gift is or the gifts. But if you're open to them, you'll figure them out. But oh, definitely. it's just, you know, keep moving forward in some way, however that looks to you in the moment. And I think it goes on to that old saying, it sounds so cliche, but that old saying where sometimes it's just okay to be not okay. Absolutely. There's going to be times. <laughs> and then it's up to hopefully you have that support system like you did with your husband and your family that mm -hmm. you can uh, so yep. lean on them when you need them because there are going to be times when, I mean, that goes on in everybody's life, no matter when you have a brain injury and that, but especially when Absolutely. you have a trauma like that, you're going to need people to lean on because you're not always going to be okay. And you're going to need those days where you just say, you know what, just leave me alone. I just need to sit in the corner. But as long as you know, you have for that sure. support system that whenever you're ready, they're there for you. That's all I think a lot of people need. They just need, need to be heard, I think. Absolutely. And for me, one of the greatest gifts this last year, even um, since May, is joining a TBI support group. And we meet on Zoom weekly, and it's been phenomenal. And I've got support groups for some of my other diagnoses as well. And those support groups of having people who get it, mm -hmm. you know, the people who are in there with you, and they know it. And even though our stories and backgrounds are different, but there's there's that level of understanding that you don't get anywhere else. So support groups, are really valuable and, uh, and more maybe, so than I realized. And maybe you can, uh, when we're done here sometime tonight or tomorrow, you can go in the comment section and leave some of those links there for some of those, uh, like some, some places you think that people can reach out to and things like that. Some of the uh, links to those support groups. I think that'd be great. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of them would love to, to, to know how to get that support system if they don't have it in their own. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want to thank you for being here because I know I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I've been talking to you now for about a, over a month now because it's been since before, mm -hmm. way before Christmas that we met and we got talking on Zoom yeah. and then uh, I got your book and then we talked a little bit last week, I, I think it was. And uh, just, I mean, I can see that you're going to, there's there's something around the corner for you that's going to be not just good for you, but it's going to be inspiring for other people. I can see you doing something that's going to inspire a lot of people and uh, hopefully empower them. Oh, to, thank you. To do things i can see you're, you're not you're not somebody who's just going to sit down you're going to fight and you're going to get out there and you're going to be i think you're going to be okay <laughs> <laughs> i i will be okay and i am okay and uh it's taken a long time to be able to get to that place of just knowing that even with all these challenges every day i still mm -hmm. am okay That's and good. you know there are moments when i'm not mm -hmm. <laughs> but in the bigger picture i i am okay and i will be okay no matter what happens and I hope you keep in touch with us and hopefully maybe we'll get you back on here in a little, maybe in a year or so. And we'll do another little recap on how things are going and stuff, because uh, I know uh, I'm going to keep in touch with you, but I'm sure they would all like to hear from you too. So um, wonderful. That would be so, wonderful. Awesome. So I want to thank you for coming on here. And if you want to stick around in the background there and to everybody else out there, I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of Butler's Babble. It's, it's because of you guys out there watching that we can keep bringing these on. And we have a couple more people that we've got lined up over the next couple months that I think you're going to love to see. Um, for all those, like I said, who had haven't seen any of the other episodes or you want to rewatch them, they're all on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash at Butler's Babble. You can go and watch the whole archive on there. And there's so many uh, awesome people out there that I think you should just give the chance to listen to. And like uh, Jennifer said today, have empathy for others and of what they're going through. And hopefully you learned something today. And uh, we'll be back next month with another amazing guest. And until then, uh, we'll see you later. And remember, if anybody asks, say the butler did it. Talk to you next time. <laughs>